Welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, the latest on shares, markets and investments, now available on your Amazon Alexa. Hello and welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, now also available on the UK Investor Magazine mobile app. Um, today's podcast is going to take the format of a look at a number of equities listed here in London. And to do that, we're joined once again, very kindly by Alan Green. Alan, thank you very much for being on the podcast today. Thank you, for Jonathan. Good to be back. So last time, Alan, we were discussing uh, Barclays in some detail. Now, since then, we've had Pretty much all of the UK banks, or especially the, the FTSE 100 ones, they've reported. So we've got a little bit more insight into how the sector is faring. Now, Barclays had particularly uh, poor um, sort of overall results uh, due to the impact of uh, impairments due to coronavirus. We saw that throughout the banks. Uh, we're looking at Lloyd's, pretty much the same story there. RBS, well, sorry, new, newly called NatWest Group, uh, pretty much the same story. With uh, HSBC and Standard Chartered, they've obviously got exposure to Asia. So a slight variation in the patterns of, uh, of, of the results there from those two, but still pretty poor uh, results overall. We've also had Metro Bank uh, report this morning, one of the challenger banks, which has probably become more prominent than some of the other challenger banks out there. But again, a pretty soggy story there. Alan, do you think, having seen the results of the last week, that these banks and investors in these banks have, have properly priced in the ongoing impact of coronavirus throughout the rest of the year, given uh, potential uh, issues in the mortgage market and further loan defaults? That's a very good question, Jonathan. Um, I, I, I think um, if you look at the relative share price reactions to the results, I think the results uh, had been reasonably well flagged up by analysts in the run-up to the numbers. Um and there, there haven't really been too been too too many many huge shocks. Barclays, of course, was was impacted, but um, I mean the share price has already sort of come back fairly strongly in line with the markets. I might add uh, since the since the the sell off last week. Um, but of course, yeah, we're seeing a huge loss today. Metro Bank sort of turned uh, a thirty and a half million profit into a into a one hundred eighty three million pound loss this morning. Um, yeah, and sure, yeah, the, the share price has fallen, but um, that you, you could probably argue the sector is so bombed out anyway that there's there isn't much further for it to go. So, so the 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 the, uh, the respective results were probably priced in as well. Um, also, of course, we're seeing other financials reporting today as well. Legal in general had a pretty robust performance and uh, has maintained uh, its dividend payments going forward. So. Um, you know, it's not all doom and gloom across the financial services sector. Um, so certainly, I, I mean, would I bet on the banks for a recovery? I, I think probably the stronger ones, and certainly banks like Barclays with an investment arm to their portfolio, um, given that the markets are relatively buoyant at the moment, I'd say probably 
Barclays offers a better bet for recovery in that sector than than, than the others. But um, that's just my, my my view. Yes, I mean I think one thing to, to note there with Barclays, a lot of their uh, revenue for the quarter came from the investment banking arm, which was really caused by the volatility in financial markets. Of course, there were a large number of capital raisings throughout that period that Barclays were involved in. So I think yeah. that's going to be something to watch actually with Barclays to see whether they can replicate that performance in the next quarter. And, and I'd probably argue that we, we may not see as stronger numbers uh, coming coming from Barclays uh, investment banking activities, given that markets have calmed down somewhat. And a lot of companies that wanted to raise capital have, have already done it uh, yeah. to get through the initial uh, crisis. Uh, so that's going to be interesting to see. And uh, I'm sure when we have the next round of uh, of reporting from the banks, we'll, we'll definitely be uh, discussing those. Mm. So let's move on now, Alan, to probably one of the biggest stories in UK listed equities this week. And that is the results from BP. They've reported this week a set of results that on the uh, the headline number paints the picture of what this prior quarter has been for the oil industry. It's probably been one of the worst quarters on history, given the, the, the drop in uh, the price of oil. Of course, we saw the price of oil going negative uh, at one point. Now, they reported a significant loss there. But what, what are the main takeaways, uh, Adam, from the, the results from BP? It's, it's an interesting result. I mean, as you rightly say, Jonathan, it's been the big story of the week. It's featured on all of the major, major sort of uh, news channels, the headlines. Um, uh, 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 you know, that's, of course, the, the, the profits have fallen so sharply. And of course, there was the the dividend cut as well, which um, which was expected. Uh, but uh, nonetheless, of course, being a cornerstone like Royal Dutch Shell, so many uh, investment portfolios, and of course, you know, uh, a cornerstone for uh, investment for fund managers too. That um, uh, that that it it, it has uh, sent ripples throughout the financial services sector. Nonetheless. Um, uh, there was a note out yesterday on BP from Atlantic Capital Markets, which I think um, gives a, gives an interesting view and insight into into the numbers. Because of course, we look at these numbers, we see uh, we see the uh, the, the, the the huge uh, six point seven billion loss, which is the biggest loss really in ten years since the um, since the Gulf of Mexico disaster. So that prompted the dividend cut, um, but also BP. Uh, use the opportunity, and I, th- I think this is this is um, a good move by the company to wipe six and a half billion off the value of its oil and gas exploration a- assets going forward, um, but to also call it a, a period of reinvention. And um, the, uh, the the new chief executive Bernard Looney, who came in, uh, outlined a strategy to re- reinvent BP. Um, in line with, uh, with with the global transition to low carbon energy, um, and the company said within ten years it aims to have increased its annual low carbon investment uh, tenfold to around five billion a year, um, building a, an integrated portfolio of low carbon technologies in renewables, bioenergy, hydrogen power, and and a number of other other initiatives. And 
it aims to have developed around 50 gigawatts of net renewable generating capacity by 2030 um, and uh, uh, also at the same time shrinking its oil and gas production by 40 percent um, clearly this is in line with the move to electric vehicles and uh, and everything else um, and uh, but in regard to the dividend cut it's um, it also said it uh, it aimed to reset this this dividend at the current levels which is 5.25 cents per share and return at least 60 percent of future surplus cash as share buybacks so so that's that's kind of really laid out a clear financial strategy for the future and of course you know shares are trading um uh, it, it hit uh, multi-year lows on march the 18th um currently trading um at uh, at um the at at, at two, two, 281p or 280p there or thereabouts um but um atlantic market capital markets um uh, just outlined um, their view on it, and they said, although the, although the losses were substantial, again, like with as with the banking stocks, those losses had been flagged up by analysts, um, and they they see the strategy shift completely repositioning the group's forward investment proposition um, with this reduced reliance on oil and a move into in, in, into um, uh, low carbon technologies. Um, and the company expects, you know, given the the depressed share price of BP at the moment, Atlantic Capital say they expect any evidence of early revenue growth from this low carbon portfolio will act as a catalyst uh, to the share price. So if you're buying into that, if you're buying into the new story, you can also take advantage of the quarterly dividend that's uh, on offer before the ex-dividend date of August the 13th. So. Um, again, if you were thinking of adding to BP shares and you were waiting for the dust to settle after the results, then you've still got um, you've still got a week or so to make your mind up. So yes, I mean one thing that I would note uh, for investors is after the uh, the dividend cut, we're still looking and we're looking at a share price actually today in BP of about three pounds fourteen at this level, and given the current exchange rates. Uh, for the pound against the dollar of about 1.3. The yield on the shares from BP is still about 5%. So nowhere near uh, you know, wh- where they were, uh, you know, if, you're, if you're looking at certain uh, metrics going into this on historical uh, dividend yeah. payments. However, going forward, if they do maintain a quarterly payment of 5.25 pence, and of course, if, if we see exchange rates around around the same level, you're still looking at a, at a yield there of 5%. Yeah. But I would sort of look at that and think, well, is this going to increase going forwards, Alan? And, and, and you know, do they have the the cash on on hand? I mean, they've just raised uh, things about 11 billion from a hybrid bond during the quarter, which is significantly increased their their cash position yeah but i mean is, is it a situation that they're um you know taking from the, the debt market to pay out uh dividend uh payments and i mean is that sustainable Do, are, are we going to see the the follow-through from the, the the greener side of the business in in time to support these dividends going past the next half year, for example, if we, if we see uh, it was a very substantial loss there, of course, a lot of it was a non-cash impairment from mm. BP, but the underlying business, 
are there going to be further questions that the dividend asked if we don't see this green business producing the, the revenue that's needed in the short term? That's a very good question, uh, Jonathan. And of course, that is the million dollar question when it comes to BP. Um, will they have to raid the bond markets again to to support the payout? Um, because, because again, um, because it's still going to be a cornerstone of investment funds going forward, um, because because of the sheer size of the company and the uh, and the spread of operations, um, that's it, it becomes a, a riskier bet in that regard. Um, so I think um, I, I think given BP's resources, they will have invested carefully uh, where they can get returns and where they can see returns, and um, I think they will be their priority as a company will be to uh, to, to get these assets working to generate. Uh, income from them, so so the, so that the company can signal to to to, to the markets that it, it is starting that slow but inexorable move away from oil production. Um, but as you rightly say, it, it's it's gone it's gone to the bond markets already, and may have to do uh, the same again um, to to, uh, to to basically uh, support support that. But of course, it's also flagged up share buybacks too, which is a good thing. So. So what what you might lose in terms of dividend gain, you may well see an appreciating share price um, uh, and and capital gain offsetting any any uh, any any lack in uh, dividend dividend income going forward. So yeah, it, it's um, I guess you can say that makes BP a riskier play by now because uh, at this juncture because we're not clear on what the revenue streams. From those renewables are going to be, but um, the fact that uh, BP has the resources it has, um, it, it's it's uh, if you looked at a smaller company offering the same proposition, that would be a risky proposition simply because they don't have the resources that BP has. So, so I think um, yeah, it, it's uh, you could probably uh, rate rate it as a speculative buy on that basis. But certainly, Atlantic Capital Markets uh, believe that the strategy is right and they and and they are they are putting their clients into it yes i mean one thing that, that i would say which actually highlights the uh the point that bp are in their history is anybody watching bloomberg tv this morning and, and yes they would have seen uh, the ceo on, on there discussing uh the results and making a point of highlighting how many coffees the business had uh, had sold, and, and saying that that was an area of growth. So, you know, for, for BP's CEO to be discussing coffee sales um, yes. after after earnings does highlight where this company is and how, you know, the changes that are afoot in the company. And I think if we're going to be looking at this company in another three years' time, it's going to look very very different than it is now. And, and, and one that's very difficult to to imagine, uh, given the, the push into to greener energy that's, that's supposedly been something that the company's been doing for some time, uh, but not really sort of gained much uh, much traction there. So that's going to be need to need to be accelerated uh, significantly. So I'm sure one that we'll be uh, be touching on again when we get a further update uh, from them. So. We're going to stay in the oil sector, but we're going to go towards the other side of the market now in terms of market capitalization. And we're going to go down to a London listed small cap oil company in Union Jack Oil, Alan. So they have had yeah. a 
a quite a torrid time throughout this period, just as all oil companies have. But being towards the smaller end of the market, you'd think they'd be able to be a little bit more nimble. So what have they been doing doing during the last quarter? Well, Union Jack Oil is run by the industry veteran, um, I hope he doesn't mind me calling him a veteran, <laughs> David Bramhill. But um, but uh, he's he's well well regarded and I think, you know, fair to say well loved throughout the industry. He's a, he's a, he's quite, he's a real character. But um, Union Jack Oil are uh, an onshore oil and gas exploration company developing and investing into projects in the UK. They have licenses in, uh, in the East, East Midlands, East Yorkshire and the Humber Basin. Um, and the, the company's currently worth 43 million market cap. Shares are traded as high as 0.37p on the year. And as low as just under, as low as 0.075p. Currently trading at uh, 0.285p. So um, somewhere, somewhere halfway between the two. Um, so the, 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 there have been a number of developments in regard to their projects uh, throughout the year. Um, suffice to say that the company, despite the COVID crisis, is progressing well. Um, and it, it is, it, it is um, well funded. It has something like 5 million. Uh, sterling uh, in in the in, in, at the bank at, at present, so well funded, um, and um, indeed the the licenses um, uh, the, the key project the company is uh, engaged with at the moment is um, the Russell project, which is um, a joint venture with Humber Oil and Gas, operated by Egdon Resources, which is another listed company. Um, uh, the the company. Earlier this year, Union Jack Oil acquired a further 12.5% interest and now owns a, a, a meaningful stake uh, in the company and will eventually in wrestle the wrestle project and will probably own the wrestle project outright eventually. Um, the, also, the reserves uh, earlier this year increased by 45%. Um, and the um, once the uh, once the uh, company. Uh, starts to drill and gets the oil out of the ground, um, it will be paid just over a million pounds on the first commercial oil that's uh, released from released from the the the, the Russell project, um, and that is taking place as we speak. So we expect to hear news any day on this. And if you look at the share price, you'll see that shares were trading um, uh, back in February March, obviously during the COVID crisis, at just under 0.1p, and have since recovered pretty sharply to trade at today's level um a number of other developments too the um uh, across their their their, uh, their licenses um they acquired a further three percent of the biscothorpe um uh uh, 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 uh license uh, um, area and and uh, prospect um and it now as a result of that that acquisition now owns 30 percent of the biscothorpe uh, project which is a joint venture again with Egdon resources and humber oil and gas um, and that's progressing. Um, in addition, they own the, or they have a stake in the West Newton, that's the East Yorkshire um, um, uh, 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 oil and gas project. Um, and again, quite key because because obviously given the environmental issues of onshore drilling and um, and particularly, you know, in, the, in that region in East Yorkshire, you've got areas of outstanding um, natural beauty. Um, West Newton has been rated AA for carbon intensity, and carbon intensity basically uh, is a measure of the uh, the the impact or the um, the the, uh, the the amount of carbon that the the process produces, and it's rated very low inten- uh, very low intensity, much lower than the UK than the UK average. Um, 
and again, this is in line. Um, part of Union Jack Orr's uh, mission statement is 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 to to move the entire company towards um, low carbon emissions, uh, low carbon production. Um, on the West Newton project, drilling again there starts in two weeks. So um, so so we'll expect some news on that very soon. But it's been a busy time. The company is well funded. Um, and I think, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're waiting now for news from the wrestle drilling and obviously news of that £1 million to be paid on the first commercial oil. Um, and the company is at a very exciting juncture. So um, watch, watch, this, watch this space. So, and we're obviously discussing there about BP pulling away from, from oil production and, and then the smaller companies, that, you know, that, that are still very much in the exploration and development side of things. And is there going to be the opportunity for shareholders in some of these to, to see these projects out before you know oil operations onshore in the UK start to really get shunned and, and the push really goes into uh, you know greener renewable forms of, of energy? Very much so. I mean, this is, Union Jack are all about very much near term revenues. You know, the projects have been developed; they've been on the. They've been they've been scoped out and 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 studied and uh, and planned out for for many years before this. So this is very much uh, near term. But I think um, I think that's a challenge that faces any oil and gas exploration company. Is it, it, it's where do you go next? Um, you know what do you do after this? How do you move into renewable energy? And I think we're seeing a lot of these smaller companies make a transition. So um, I would expect once Russell is up and running that. Uh, uh, Union Jack may well start to evolve in that direction, but um, but uh, clearly that's uh, that's speculation on my part. That's nothing. There's nothing out there um, c- confirming that. But it's very much a, a stated aim of the company uh, to 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 move towards um, low carbon, low emission, low low emission production uh, of oil. But um, yeah, we know oil is a finite fuel. It's um, it's uh, it's going to be um, uh, well, ir- irrelevant probably in the next uh, fifteen to twenty years. Um, so uh, um, yeah, a lot of these small companies will either disappear or will evolve and change with uh, with the times. Indeed, that's going to be a very interesting story to keep up to keep an eye on there with, with oil. So we're going to stay in commodities now, Alan, but we're going to look at uh, one commodity that's done very very well throughout the coronavirus pandemic and it's done again very very well today uh we're looking at gold here we've broken through the 2000 mark significant upside that that's been uh demonstrated there in the price but we're going to look at a company now katura goals now this is one that's listed here in london so katura gold alan is trading in London with a market cap of 7 million. Yeah. How have they been performing operationally recently? Okay, so Gatoro Gold, um, uh, I, I, I did, did some research on this for um, another channel um, a couple of weeks ago. Um, uh, I, obviously, I think we, we know Louis Curtsy, who's the CEO of the company. Um, um, he's also a CEO of, of Kibo Energy, uh, former CEO of Great Basin Gold. Um, he's joined by a guy called Louis Sheepers, who's the chief ops officer. Also with him, with Louis uh, Kersey at uh, Great Basin Gold, um, and uh, Mars Campion, who's who's a well-known figure in the city um, and in the industry too. Um, 
So uh, there are two key projects. Uh, um, throughout uh, the early part of the year and late last year, uh, Katoro Gold disposed of some of the uh, earlier projects it had been involved in and um, and and uh, and um, uh, basically structured structured the the company to move into the projects that I'm going to talk about now the the flagship project is a 5050 joint venture uh, with Blive or gold operations um, which uh, basically are, 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 are six gold tailing dams um, uh, with a joint with a jork reserve um, estimate of 1.34 million ounces this of course is in south africa um 1.34 million ounces of an average grade of 0.3 grams uh 0.3 grams grams per ton so that's 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 pretty uh, a pretty significant number um so the blivor um uh, operation has developed clearly it's been hampered by um by sort of covid this year but um the the once the uh the tailings um operation there is up and running. They're targeting initial production of 250,000 tons per month, ramping up to half a million tons of material from the tailings in two years. And this is this the company is moving ahead rapidly with this at present. So once the company is up to 500,000 uh, tons uh, or tailings process per month, they expect to produce 35,000 ounces of gold from that per month. So you can do the math and. So, sorry, thirty-five thousand ounces of gold per annum. Um, but you can do the math on that and clearly, clearly get some idea of, of the scale and the potential of this project. So, recent news and developments on this: on July the first, um, there was a site visit as part of the DFS, the Definitive Feasibility Study, um, which where they undertook the drilling and metallurgy uh, work uh, um, uh, ahead of the uh, ahead of the gold processing plant. Um, the company announced uh, at the end of July it was looking to complete the uh, final project financing before the 30th of, the sept of, of September 2020, which will be sufficient. That funding will be sufficient to fund the, the construction of the, of the benefica beneficiation plant. Um, um, and and the, the, basically the plant they're building um, processes the waste ore to produce the 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 final, the final gold project uh, uh, the product. So, um, this is this is again a very near term project in terms of revenue. Um, as you rightly say, Jonathan currently trading at, at seven million. The shares have traded as high as four point five uh, p on the year, uh, but clearly supported now by an, an ever increasing gold price. So, so that's that's the that's the the um, that's the the uh, the flagship project for the company. Um, Secondly, the company is involved in the Haneti, uh, Haneti project, which is a huge area in central Tanzania, which is prospective for nickel, lithium and the platinum gold metals group. Um, it's, it's centered around the small town of Haneti, hence the name. Um, um, throughout, the, uh, throughout the second quarter, there have been a series of developments um, g given the, the prospectivity in the region. Um, they, the company have basically... Uh, agreed with um, Power Metal Resources, which uh, you and I discussed on the podcast recently, um, that uh, money has already been invested by Power Metal Resources into into the project to to take uh, to take a stake in the Haneti project, um, and that uh, they will be paying uh, Kotoro Girl twenty five thousand by the end of this month to increase their holding from twenty five to thirty five percent. A lot of interest in that region from third parties um, and the potential 
um, was uh, confirmed uh, in 2019 by soil sampling undertaken by Katoro, which which also increased the strike area, um, the strike area in in the region too. So uh, again, Katoro well funded at the moment also raised um, the company raised uh, uh, just over a million at one and a half p on June the 25th. So. Those um, shareholders that participate in that placing will be well pleased with the progress the company's made. But we so um, next steps now are the uh, are the completion of the um, of uh, power metal resources uh, um, uh, taking a thirty five percent stake, and then of course the the funding uh, the, the the key the key development which is the funding for the Blybor joint venture um, by thirtieth of September and the, the commencement of um, construction of the benefication plants uh, at Blyville. So, Alan, investors looking at the the charts of Couture will see a significant spike um, from about a penny up to, to 4p in February. We've since tailed off since then, uh, yeah. now trading about 2.2 pence. Was was there any holdups or, or issues on that positive news at that point, which which meant they weren't able to uh, sustain that that higher price? Is there anything the investors should be aware of 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 any setbacks that happened around then? Well, it was the uh, it was primarily to, uh, um, the, the, there was an issue with um, with uh, with uh, uh, provide with getting funding and interest into in, into Blybor. Um, as with all these projects, it never goes up on a straight line. So, so there are there are issues that um, that crop up. Um, there are also uh, there are also uh, developments on other projects that the company uh, w- was looking to sell off and, and move on from, um, which uh, which it, which Katora has now done. Um, so, so really, uh, what it's done through divesting the other projects, which I think was primarily the reason for the move. Um, it has it, it's basically brought the focus down onto these two key projects, and the Blyvore joint venture is the key development. Um, and that's it, it's a very straightforward investment in that the tailings are there. They need to build a plant to to process the tailings and extract the gold. And they know with the with the work that's already been done with the uh, with the studies that have already been done in the region. Um, once they ramp up to five to half a million tons of material from the tailings. Um, Per month, they will be ramping up to production of thirty-five thousand ounces of gold per annum. And clearly, once they start, once they're producing two hundred and fifty thousand or processing two hundred and fifty thousand tons per month, they will start to produce gold from that anyway. So, um, so given where the gold price is now, once they start gold production, I would expect a further move upwards uh, um, uh, uh, once again. Indeed. So th- there's uh, quite a clear uh, milestone for investors to be keeping out there, and that is the uh, commencement of uh, of production. So I'm sure that we'll uh, revisit that uh, when when that uh, when that happens. So just as a as a recap, there that was Katura Gold uh, that trades under the ticker of KAT. We also touched on Union Jack Oil. Uh, that trades under the ticker of UJO, and of course BP with the ticker of BP. Alan, thank you much for joining the podcast today. Thank you, Jonathan. Fantastic. So just as a note, there will be an article in the notes of this podcast that looks at uh, the 
potential or, or you know the prospects of both BP and Shell and weighs up their recent uh, set of results and looks at the current valuations of the company. So do keep, uh, keep an eye out for that. Thank you very much. We hope you enjoyed listening to the UK Investor Magazine podcast. Please do share the podcast and we really value any reviews and comments you leave us in your chosen podcast player. The views presented by the hosts and guests of the UK Investor Magazine podcast are in no way investment advice. And please remember, all investment involves risk.